I am Eden. And I'm Nicole. Welcome to Roadside, Roadside Horror, Horror Show. Show. Refuel. Refuel. Wait, you say it way better than I do. So Eden, I, I think you're ready for a refuel. I see you have your big goblet, silver goblet of red, red wine. It's a pewter goblet. Thank you very mm. much. <laughs> Gothalicious either it way. Is. Oh, and I just thought of something that we should have mentioned. What's that? Minnesota Part 2 was our 50th episode, oh, not yeah. counting refuels. Yeah. Congratulations to us. Yeah, good for us. 50 episodes. That means we've covered half of the United States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Halfway through. Oh, and hopefully y'all will stick along for the other 25 states. Or 50 episodes. Or 50 episodes. So today's topic for our refuel is going to be something I think we've talked about in the past. We've yeah. mentioned these these stories previously. But we're going to talk about cursed objects today. Fun, fun, fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love just thrift shopping for neat little knickknacks? And then you take it home and now suddenly you have a poltergeist. Oh, gosh, suddenly last summer. But oh, I, childhood memory. <laughs> My first boyfriend. <laughs> uh, I do have a collection of just some random bits of bobs. Some things we may have lightly touched on in previous episodes. Some things that are being totally new. And uh, I'm excited to share them with you. I'm excited for you to share them with me. There we go. That sentence didn't want to come out of my mouth. (laughs) So our first one is one I think we've touched on. And I did a little bit more digging and research so we could learn even more about it today. Okay. So in North Yorkshire, England, in 1702, Thomas Busby and his father-in-law, Daniel Otty, worked together in several criminal enterprises. Their most profitable one was a coin counterfeiting business. Now, as this business grew, the two men would argue pretty often about it. And then one day, tensions came to a head. Biz- oh, I get it. Head. head. Yeah. The head. Toy. Uh, not, coins. Not a tail. Not a tail. Not a tail. Head. Now, Bisbee, who was known as the, like a drunkard with a bad temper, attacked his father-in-law and murdered him. He, well, that escalated. Very quickly. He was quickly arrested and hanged for his crime in San Hutton, North Yorkshire, Yorkshire, San Hutton, North Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Yorkshire. Now, prior to his death, supposedly, Busby cursed a large oak chair in his misery. Oh, it's this one. Yes, this is indeed the Bisby stoop chair or the dead man's chair. Oh, this one's crazy. I know we've talked about it a couple times about, you know, the chair of death. We did. And so you found out where it is now. Yep. It is in North Yorkshire, and it was from Thomas Bisbee, basically, when he was awaiting trial for the murder of his father-in-law. Okay. He was kind of kept at the inn at the crossroads in San Hutton. And Thanks for getting Bone Thugs and Harmony stuck in my head. At the crossroads. Girl. You won't be lonely. <laughs> but at the crossroads is where apparently in North, North Yorkshire they would try and execute criminals. Okay. Which kind of makes sense. It's like the sev- early 1700s. A lot of times when someone's executed, they do it at the crossroads to prevent things like the spirit following people home, vampires, that sort of thing. Wow, that takes me back. Mm-hmm. You say as you sip your red wine. <laughs> um, some sources say that the way that the chair became cursed was because that's what they kept Busby in the entire time. Yeah. He was just forced to sit in this chair during his trial. And then when he was waiting for his execution... Other people say that uh, Busby, after he killed his father-in-law, he went to the inn and got even drunker and just sat in the chair waiting to be arrested. Okay. 
either way, we know that the pub kept the chair and used it for many years afterwards. And the interesting thing is, so after they basically try Busby, they execute him across the street, basically from the inn or the pub where the chair is. Yeah. Then they displayed his body in a gibbet for the public to come and see right at the crossroads as well. And the other side of the street where the inn was. Oh, the gibbet. The, yeah. Um, what is that? That's the... It's at the cage, cage. they would lock a body in yeah. and, and let it either like a dying prisoner or they would put a dead body in it so it could be displayed but still kept in like an anatomical shape. The only reason I know what it is is because I accidentally chose that option in um, Dragon Age Origins when <laughs> sentencing someone. <laughs> or not Origins, uh, Inquisition. You're a cruel, cruel man. I am, I know. So needless to say... Locals say not only is that chair cursed, but also that Busby's ghost haunts the site to this day at the crossroads. Oh. So people have seen apparitions. There's been unexplained noises at night, that sort of thing. Now, over the years, a bunch of stories popped up about this chair and the sudden and tragic deaths that were linked to it. And it's always the same thing. Someone goes to the pub for a night, night out and they sit in the chair and then shortly afterwards, they suffer an untimely death. Yes, that I have heard. Well, the interesting thing is because this where this inn is located, this occurred up through the 20th century. So in World War II, the inn kind of became a little notorious with the men stationed at the nearby Skipton-on-Swale military base because it was the closest pub to the base. So guys would go there off duty and they started noticing that the airmen who would sit in the busby chair would never make it back from their missions. Shit. Yeah. So aside from these airmen dying, uh, they were able to link, the researchers of the chair were able to link 63 other deaths in the historical record from like the 18th century through the 20th century to this chair. Holy shit. Right? Like you're thinking, oh, a couple guys who, I mean, of course people are going to die in war, but yeah, 63 people who sat in that chair in the past 200 years. Crazy. Yep. It got to the point where people would come and kind of be jerks about it, though, at yeah. the inn. And the inn's owner eventually got fed up with it. So in the 1970s, he donated it to the Thrisk Museum, which is like a local museum in North Yorkshire. And in 1978, the museum also got irritated by all the people who would jokingly try to sit in this yep. antique chair. And they attached it to the wall about five feet above ground. That I knew. Yep. So nobody else can sit in it. You know some asshats going to still try and sit in it. They're going to climb something. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. It's me. I'm an asshat. You're like, it's me. I'm going to hoist my small child and be like, ha ha. Exactly. Oh, and then your baby. Oh. But yeah, that is the the Chero death. And uh, you can visit it today if you want, if you're ever in North Yorkshire. I don't know that I'll ever go to Yorkshire, but if I do... On the list. On the list, definitely. That's going to be my first stop in Yorkshire. Eden, what are your thoughts? I have plenty of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> really, I do. You're like, I love chairs. I, I could talk or not talk about chairs for hours. Exactly. Chairs are wonderful. Chairs are my life. I enjoy sitting because I don't get to at work. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I've loved that story. And I don't remember where I first heard it. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was so crazy. Because there's so many deaths related to this damn chair. And yeah, then they have weird. to stick it up on a freaking wall <laughs> to avoid it. And like, I'm pretty sure that's probably what they're going to end up doing with the king and queen's chairs in Belcourt Castle at some point. Yeah. Because um, I told you about thing, that. Right? In, in Newport? In Newport. Yeah. No one dies. But like the king's chair, you'll be pushed out of slowly. And the queen's chair, she's just like, get the fuck off. And she pushes <laughs> you like real quick. I put my hand on both of them because you weren't allowed to sit in them anymore. You're but like, I'm going to touch you. Yeah. 
Did you feel anything? I did. Was it tingly? It was very tingly and weird. And my hand moved from the queen's chair. That's crazy because that was one of the ones that popped up. But I, I didn't include it because it sounded really similar to the yeah. Busby chair. So, But yeah, everyone's like, you feel tingly when you touch or sit in it. That's yeah. crazy. And um, there's also a screaming suit of armor in that castle as well. What? Yeah. So like the castle itself is not haunted, but the objects in it are. Interesting. Interesting. So the next haunted object I have has a little bit of Hollywood glamour to it. We're going to talk a little bit about James Dean's little I bastard. Knew it. <laughs> oh, that little bastard. So whenever somebody says, live fast, die young, and leave a beautiful corpse, I immediately think of James Dean. Absolutely. Even though Dean never uttered those lines in a movie, it really does remind me of his untimely death at like 24. Yeah, he was really young. Yeah, he was super young. He was just kind of hitting his stride as a star and finally becoming like a leading man basically. But James Dean loved fast cars. And in 1954 and 1955, he really got into street racing. Yeah. Much like his character in Rebel Without a Cause. Absolutely. That's probably what started it. Probably. Uh, In 1955, he purchased a silver Porsche 550 Spider, And then he asked car designer George Barris to customize it for him. And Barris... This was before he had X to the Z exhibit (laughs) to do such things. True, true. Uh, now the car was outfitted pretty amazingly in my opinion. So it was silver, right? And then Barris put these tartan, red tartan seats in it. Oh, nice. And then two red racing stripes near the rear wheels. And then because Dean had started nicknaming it and his one mechanic nicknamed it the little bastard because it was so damn fast. Yeah. They put that name on it and like pinstripe and then the number, uh, 130 on the doors hood and the engine cover of the car. I remember that part. Now, James Deans was super excited about this car, and when he had just finally was getting ready to race it for the first time that fall, uh, the fall of 55, he actually bumped into his friend and fellow actor, Alec McGinnis, a.k.a. people our age know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Uh, But they were buddies back when they were both young actors, and he bumped into McGinnis outside of a restaurant, and he took him to go look at the spider, because he had just gotten it from, from Barris, and it was all like basically pimped out. Yeah. Guinness reportedly looked at the car and then told Dean that the car had a, quote, sinister appearance and then went on to say, quote, I get that a lot. (laughs) Guinness went on to say, quote, if you get in that car, you'll be found dead in it by this time next week. Is this like a verified story? Like, Mm -hmm. okay. Seven days later, on September 30th, 1955, Dean would be killed in an accident while driving the car north to Salinas for a road race event. So how creepy spooky is that? That is really scary. And then also every time I hear Salinas, all I think of is me and Bobby McGee. 100%. <laughs> Agreed. Now, after this terrible accident, George Barris actually purchased the car at auction and it was wrecked at this point. And he basically planned to sell it for parts because it okay. was still a top of the line racing car. And that's when even more trouble started to pop up with this car. So the first real incident that I found was when Barris got it to his garage and one of his mechanics was jacking it up so that they could start taking things like the wheels off and the drive uh, shaft out of it. Something happened and it fell. Please don't use jacking and shaft in the same sentence again. <laughs> I'm just talking about cars. <laughs> that was that was kind of perfect. Nicole. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, while the mechanic was working underneath it, the car fell off its mount or its jack and it crushed his legs. Yeah, I forgot about that. So fatality or I should say injury number two, mysterious misfortune number two with this car. 
eventually they were able to kind of get the car disassembled but tragedy kind of followed the parts it kind of reminded me of the florida story i told about the uh airline the plane yeah. that was also cursed this very much seems like james because yeah, all bastard. the parts went to different places yep. and shit happened and that's what happened with this car so a doctor purchased the engine and the drivetrain for his own racing porsche he died in a, in a race when his car struck two other racers a couple months later. Holy crap. The other driver of one of the cars was killed, and the driver of the last car in the incident was also seriously injured. Wow. Then there was the man who purchased Little Bastard's transmission. He was also severely injured in a car accident. Damn. They sold pretty much everything on the car, uh, even the tires. The guy who bought the tires had the misfortune of having all of the tires simultaneously blow out. <gasps> And his car spun out and he ended up in the hospital. Holy shit. I had a tire blowout on the highway once. Right? It's scary. That's really scary. Yeah. And if you lose like mo- like one tire is hard enough to steer, but can you imagine like all four of your tires oh, just yeah. blowing out? You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're in screwed. trouble. Yeah. Now at this point, Barris is like, oh, kidokes. I'm just going to put this thing in storage for a while. And he basically didn't sell any more of the parts and just kind of kept it behind his shop. However... Eventually, the California Highway Patrol convinced him to donate it to an exhibit about highway safety. (laughs) I know. I know. That's kind of funny. And the hijinks continued with Little Bastard. So while they were transporting the shell of the car, basically, it was basically like, you know, no engine, but still had the car, the seats, that sort of thing in it. Yeah. The truck that was carrying it crashed and the truck driver died. So yet another fatality related to this car. Crap. When the California Highway Patrol finally had the exhibit built and up, uh, it caught fire and it burned the out. Like it was like in like a, the way they described it, it was almost like a barn or an outbuilding. Yeah. That's where they had the exhibit. The whole building caught fire. But weirdly enough, the car wasn't burned at all or damaged in the fire. Wow. Yeah. Even weirder, they rebuilt the exhibit in a new location. And then at that second exhibit, something happened and the car wasn't mounted in a stable way on stage and it fell off the stage and hit a student who was there on a school trip. Oh my God. And basically crushed his, his like pelvis. Now you've watched DC's legends of tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was this on that? Because there was something with a car that was possessed and I don't remember what it was. I don't know. Very well. It could have been because this is like straight but, up real life Christine. Yeah. This is, it is exactly Christine. Yeah. So you would think, wow, where is this car today? Mm, nobody knows. Apparently, Nobody, oh my God. after this exhibit, Barris took it back and he put it back into storage in like this like um, like shipping container thing in the back of his property. And somebody broke in or somebody's broke in and stole it from storage. Holy crap. Why would you even bother? That is because oh. it's a it's a weird like collector's item for somebody who's super into James Dean, no matter the curse. I don't want that car anywhere freaking near me. Right. So we don't know where it is today, although there's tons of wild claims and rumors about what happened to the car. Like there was some like crazy ones where it's like, oh, it's been melted down. Yeah. Other ones said that, you know, one man said that when he was little, he remembers seeing a spider, a Porsche spider of the same type, like being hidden behind a wall. Oh, yeah. At mm-hmm. his parents' house. And I'm like, what? I remember that one. Yeah. So nobody really knows what happened to it, but there are a track record of misery and death that followed this car around. Holy crap. That's a lot. That's more than I knew. Yeah. So, I, like, I knew, like, a lot of shit happened with it. I knew mm-hmm. about, like, some of the things that you said. And, and then after it was broken down into parts, I knew that, like, you know, the parts also caused issues. But, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I think the biggest takeaway for me is like, watch your words. Alec McGinnis, look what you did. <laughs> He's spoken into consciousness. He did. It's all his fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next up. This object. I had a little bit more trouble tra- tracing some of the definitive sources for it, but mm-hmm. I was able to find a good amount of information. It is a silver vase with a rather simple design. It weighs about four pounds, and it was crafted in Italy sometime during the 15th century. It's known as the, I might butcher this, Benzano vase. According to legend, the vase was gifted to a young woman as a wedding gift. However, the bride was found dead the morning of her wedding with the vase supposedly either clutched in her hands or on a table nearby. Oh, shit. Okay. Now, with the bride dead, this unfortunate wedding gift passed to her family. And family member to family member would pass the vase along. But whoever took possession of it would usually die shortly afterwards. Wow. Eventually it got to the point where the family's like, yo, fuck this vase. We're just going to bury it in the ground. Other stories say that they took it to their local priest who helped them entomb it or bury it on hollowed ground. Okay. You know what? I'm going to pretend I'm Gen Z for a second and just be like, if I had that vase, I'd be like, yeet. <laughs> So you got your yit vase <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well that's a fun fairy tale story thing, but this is where it gets weird. Fast forward to 1988, the vase resurfaces and the seller starts approaching museums in Italy with this odd discovery story. He says, Oh, a neighbor of mine found this vase while digging up his yard. Oh, and we, we think it's from the 15th century and it could be of interest to your collection. And then the man who was selling the vase would say something along the lines of, there was also a note that said, beware, this vase brings death when we dug it up. Oh, shit. I'm like, okay. My now, parents found weird shit when digging up in their yard. Really? It wasn't any cursed shit, but it was very weird. They found a crack pipe one time. <laughs> and then also the other time they found this doll's head and they turned it around. It was from a Donny Osmond doll. Well, I mean, I would bury that shit too. Me too. But I was just like, what the fuck? We kept the Donny Osmond head. <laughs> you didn't try to sell it to a museum? <laughs> no. I mean, we, we thought about putting it on the crack pipe that was also found. But, you know. So, naturally, after hearing this guy's wild story about discovering this vase, most of the museums were like, yeah, no, thanks, because we're not in the market for creepy stolen antiques and or fakes. Yep. So, the seller eventually decides that the best place for this is an auction house. So he takes it to the auction house, of course, without the dreadful note attached to it because nobody wants to buy that. The silver vase was sold at auction for about $2,500 American to a Italian pharmacist. Now, this pharmacist actually ended up dying about three months after he purchased the vase. Uh, his family then sold the vase to a doctor who himself died suddenly of a heart attack at age 37. Again, three months later. Holy crap. Talk about the rule of threes. It's crazy. Next, the vase passed into the possession of an archaeologist who added it to his private collection. He also died three months after purchasing the vase from a mysterious viral infection. Holy crap. Finally, the vase ended up with a family who, after experiencing one death, contacted the local police department and just basically gave them the vase. They're like, we don't want to take it. Just take this off our hands, And the police were kind of like, uh, okay, sure. We don't want it either. We might have guns, but that doesn't, (laughs) you know, do anything with curses. 
the police had this object in their station for a couple of months. Um, they put it in evidence? Like what? I guess. I don't know. But uh, so one of the stories I read was like, so basically this family is like, we got to get rid of this vase. And like they threw it out the window and it actually struck a police officer. Oh, shit. And they were like, what is this? They're like, just keep, keep it. Keep, keep it. it. We'll, we'll pay the fine for assaulting an officer or whatever. Just keep exactly. it. Exactly. So I would like, too. Evidence, quote unquote. Um, the police who had at the station were also super unnerved by it and they didn't like it. And eventually, according to the stories I was able to find, they buried it in a lead line container in an unknown location. Um, some stories said it was like an undisclosed like cemetery, church cemetery, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's what happened to the Benzano vase. So it's kind of a weird story. Again, I didn't find a whole bunch of documentation to firm things up like it wasn't i couldn't find anything about like what auction house sold it that sort of thing yeah just kind of those details but also i don't read italian so i can't really scour italian newspapers yeah i'd be able to understand like maybe a few words yeah that's about it yeah so what do you think uh haunted vases that's insane i would never want to touch that vase (laughs) get it the fuck away from me do not sell it on ebay whoever the hell has it now do not sell it on ebay if it was in America, you know, someone would totally sell that on eBay. Oh, they would. <laughs> With the note. I mean, that's how the Dybbuk box got around. Right. So, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I'm looking over at my vases that I have over there that I'm not using because I don't have flowers in my house because I kill everything living that I touch. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I can't. I can have cacti and that's about it. Um, but I would not. I would not go anywhere near that vase. Mm-mm, silver, melt that down. Yeah, we can just stick that vase in Little Bastard and drive it off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Into the ocean it goes. A la Thelma and Louise. <laughs> because I'm not dealing with it. I support that. All right, so my final cursed object. You could argue maybe isn't exactly an object. But I still found it pretty fascinating. There's this phone number. 8675309. Jenny! No. It's not Jenny's phone number. Oh, damn. That's for I got a, that one on the wall. Eden, that's for a good time. This is oh, for, this is for a bad time? This is for a bad time. This is for a cursed time. So then would it be... 8675-EVIL? No, I was trying to do 8675-309 backwards, but my mind won't work that fast with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the number that I'm talking about is from Bulgaria, so it has the country code 359. Okay. But then it is 888-888. 8888. Eight, eight. Is 8 a bad luck number in Bulgarian folklore? No, actually, 8's usually a good luck number. It's usually the number for infinity, like 88, that sort of oh, thing. Oh, yeah, because it is, that's the infinity symbol mm-hmm. turn. Yeah. Exactly. So it's usually a pretty positive number. But for some reason, uh, the owners who have this phone number mysteriously die. Weird. Super weird. So the number was first assigned to Mobitel CEO Vladimir Grasnov. And he used the number for a few years before he died of cancer at age 48 in 2001. Then, like all phone numbers, it goes back into the mobile companies or the phone company's number bank and they reissue it. So Mobitel passed the number along to a new owner who just happened to be a Bulgarian mob boss. Nice. He was shortly after taking this new phone number ambushed and killed in 2003 well i mean dangerous line of work you know yeah i can give that to that one okay okay but then it gets even weirder okay so mobitel issues the number again to a third customer his name was konstantin dishlev and he was a businessman he was shot outside of a restaurant in 2005 holy crap now some of the articles say that he may have had some sketchy business dealings 
But overall, it just referred to him pretty consistently as a businessman who was gunned down. Okay. Now, since Dishlev's death, Mobitel has suspended the number, and they will not issue it to any new customers. I wouldn't either if everyone right? dies from having this freaking number. <laughs> God, and you think you just have to worry about prank calls and phone solicitation? No. Right? Curses. Right? But yeah, I I was like so startled by this and I was like, really? And looking up some additional like resources on like Mobitel's like press releases, there wasn't anything about this number there, but all that the stories so were like, they won't comment on it. Ooh, okay. That's even worse. Right? Because then you're holding something back. So that's, that's the last cursed object I have for today, which is, I guess, not an object, but a thing. Yeah. But I still thought it was super interesting. So I've never heard of like a I mean, cursed... it's still something that you're in possession of. Exactly. So it's kind of an object, even though it's not a tangible object. Yeah. So what do you think? A cursed phone number. Yeah, you'd never think of the phone. Well, you already did the mail being used as murder. Now you're doing right? phone being used as curse. Like, right. holy crap. That's a pretty crafty one. I wish I could remember everything about um, King Tut's tomb. Oh, yes. Because there's a huge curse with that, which we all know that it's cursed. But like the story behind it is freaking nuts. Like so, like all of the people that. Um, well, it wasn't just, uh, what was it? Car- Carter who discovered it? Yeah. Carver? I th- Carver. Some, something like that and his sponsor was like lord uh, carnarvon and like he's he got sick and died and, and then so the other person people. got sick yeah, and died and sick and died and sick and died mm-hmm. and locusts and other crap and yeah nutty shit when i think of cursed objects like tutankhamun's tomb the dybbuk box yes and the hope diamond those were things i oh, looked yeah, at I but i was like the hope diamond was cursed yeah the hope, hope diamond was interesting like you can find a lot of stuff about how everybody who comes in contact with it has some kind of misfortune happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like kind of weird things where like it disappears from the historic record here and there. Yeah. And you're like, oh, French Revolution. Hmm. Interesting. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the t- cursed objects I dug up. And I'm sure we can, you know, find more in our journeys. I'm we'll sure probably... we'll revisit this and yeah. do a part de. Part de. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of French. But yeah, that was a. Uh... Cursed objects. They're everywhere, guys. Yeah. Buyer beware. I remember going on eBay when I was younger, like probably like in my early 20s or something. And I was looking at like these rings online. Suddenly it was like cursed ring, blah, 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 blah. And houses a spirit, blah, 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 blah. Like people were selling all sorts of shit with spirits and stuff that they claimed were in these rings. Why do you want to invite that shit into your life? I don't know. (laughs) But it was all over eBay. I get if you're gonna buy it and like give it to someone as like an evil plot. But again, just don't. eBay is to spirit crap as fucking overstock.com is to child trafficking. <laughs> You've heard about that, I'm sure, right? Yeah. 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 No. Nope. Nope. Just say nope. Yeah, exactly. To all of it. Just say nope, kids. All right, well, that's our quick refuel episode for this this time around. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun for us. Was it good for you too, baby? <laughs> um, We will be back next week with uh, another delightful episode moving through the 50 states of awesome. I mean, America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get in contact with us if you want at roadsidehorrorshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, pictures of your pets, because we haven't asked for that in a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pictures of goats putting out fires. Whatever. 
if you are interested, and this is my shameless plug to get you to stop by our Facebook and Instagram pages, I will be posting pictures of these cursed objects, except for the phone number, because how does one post a picture of a phone number? Just write it down on a piece of paper and take a picture. I, it's not that hard. All right, fine. God, Nicole, I have to do everything around here. <laughs> <laughs> But it will be available uh, on Facebook and Instagram. We're Roadside Horror Show. And on Twitter, we are Roadside Horror. We'd like to thank Yox Rocks Designs for our amazing logo and E. Massey for our intro and outro music. Until next time, Roadsters. Creep, creep on, on, creeping on. on.